Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. I got to tell you, the, the Bible translation work that Wycliffe does, that you guys are a part of, that we get to be a part of, is just absolutely phenomenal. I got a front row seat to, to catch a glimpse of that. I have family members that have served with Wycliffe in Thailand. They had served with Cheesemans, who are partners of ours, who are there now. And it's just incredible what happens there. I went in, in so many places in the world, um, a lot of these groups that are, are very rural, uh, removed from city centers and that, a lot of them don't even have a written language. And so one of the things that translators will do is they will get to know the auditory language, they'll create written language, and then from that be able to translate scripture. And as a part of teaching written language in this community, they use scripture to do that. Like it's, it's a phenomenal thing when you stop and realize all that's going on. It's, it's just absolutely spectacular. And we get to be a part of that. How cool is that? So when uh, somebody asks you tomorrow, maybe you're at work or maybe you're walking through the neighborhood and people say, well, what did you do this weekend? So, well, it's really no big deal. I'm just changing the world through Bible translation. Like you get to do that because you know, we're in this whole thing together. It's not all on us, but we're a piece of that pie that God is using to do his stuff around the world. So feel free to claim it. Like if you're a part of Centerpoint, you give to Centerpoint, like we're part of that project. So you get to claim that tomorrow morning. All right. So uh, how important is that? It's, it's something that's, that is easy for us to take for granted. You know, you open up your phone and you've got 76 different translations available to you. Uh, we're in some ways spoiled here in our context. And so let's, uh, let's continue to be a part of what's going on. Learn more. Uh, join us for lunch. Like you don't have to bring anything. You can if you want, but you don't have to bring anything. Uh, just join us for lunch. You're going to get to hear more from Carl, more about this ministry and the ways that we get to be a part of it. All right. So I want to uh, read this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. This is a section of the New Testament we've been studying for the past several weeks. And we're, um, we're, we're exploring what it means to belong together. All right? And so one of the things that we see is as we belong together, we're going to bump into each other a bit. Is there anybody here, like, raise your hand if you have relationship with any other people? It's not completely a trick question. Some of you, that's just very sad. If you have relationship, if you have friendship, if you live with, if you talk to people, raise your hand. Yeah, that feels a little bit better. Some of you are still a little bit iffy, right? You're living out in the woods, living off maple syrup. I get that. But, but we're all in relationship, right? We, we all have to navigate relationships. And here's a promise that I will make for you, all right? This is not like a promise that says all the snowstorms are done for the season. Like I just jinxed us, didn't I? Right, so that's fine. You can enjoy it. So it's not a promise like that. This is, this is, this is a promise. If you are in relationship with other people, I promise you everything will be spectacular and beautiful and good and peaceful. Does that feel like a reason? No, 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 no. If you are in relationship with people, what I promise you is that there will be conflict. What I promise you is you will experience disappointment. What I promise you is that you will be misunderstood and you will misunderstand others. 
If you are in relationship, I promise you uh, that, that you'll be hurt. Okay, let's be done. Let us pray. Right, this is a little pick-me-up here on a Sunday morning. Like these, these are things that are reasonable for us to expect in a relationship. It's one of the reasons that we guard ourselves, that we protect ourselves, that we, we, we are cautious about relationships. But the fact of the matter is, we will experience these things. And as followers of Jesus, we, we, how do we navigate it? How do we, how do we make our way through what sometimes is just very murky, murky waters of conflict and disagreement and disappointment and hurt in our relationships? This is the kind of thing that's being addressed that the Apostle Paul gives us that he's writing to uh, Christians in the letter of Ephesians here. And so let's listen in as he continues to guide us. You know, Nate did such a great job drawing us into this last week and talking about being angry but don't sin and, and how we, we talk uh, to people uh, when we've got conflict, not about people when we've got conflict, right? We don't just stuff it down, but we draw it out because there's healthy ways for us to engage us. And so it's picking up from that whole sort of a situation and, and Paul continues in verse 29. So this is Ephesians 4 beginning at verse 29. He writes this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> How was your drive-in this morning? Right, just checking. <laughs> do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And then verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Let me just pause and pray here for a moment. Father, this is your word that you have given us. You have revealed yourself in these pages as you have inspired the writers by your spirit. And so we trust you to be our teacher today. May your Holy Spirit who inspired these words make them come alive to us. I pray, Father, that by your spirit you would awaken us to the places where we are, frankly, grieving you and lead us in the way of righteousness that we might reflect you that we might live as witnesses of who you are. For our good and for your glory, let it be so. Do that work in us today, we pray. Amen. Amen. So the fact of the matter is, people will offend us. Like Carrying offense is an easy thing for us to do. And there's a number of reasons that we can carry offense. Um, Sometimes we carry offense because the other person misspoke, right? We're in conversations and they said something and they didn't really, what, they weren't really communicating well out of their heart, um, but what came out, just like, oh, that, ugh, like an arrow, right? We feel that, that dart. Uh, it might be a big cannonball that hits us in the heart. It might be just a, a little toothpick, but we feel that when somebody misspeaks, we we get offended. We, we can carry offense when um, we misunderstand. So it might be that their words were perfectly fine, perfectly articulate, 
but we just don't understand them, right? In communication, there's both what's being said and there's what's being received. And so sometimes the, the sayer is off and sometimes the receiver is off, right? And so sometimes we misunderstand, not you, like you don't misunderstand, but sometimes I misunderstand what's being said, right? And so we can have a fence planted within us. Sometimes we're in relationships and that person, kind of out of their sin and out of their brokenness, they actually, maybe even in defensiveness, what they do, what they say, how they approach us, they might even intend to hurt us. They might even intend. Like in their best moments, they wouldn't necessarily hurt you, but, but this wasn't their best moment. This was a broken moment. It seeped through and you got some on you. And, and there's a part of them that was like, yeah, and I feel better for doing it, at least in this moment. Right? And so we got to grapple with that. It hits us. And sometimes we carry the offense of another. It isn't even necessarily that this is the conversation that we had, but it's something we overhear or it's, it's somebody that we love has been hurt. And so we carry the offense of another. Heidi and I will call that a secondary offense. It's not a primary offense, but it's a secondary offense. When somebody hurts my wife, it's really hard for me not to feel that, right? Those of you who are married, those of you who love people, you've got siblings and, and, and family members, and, and we will take up the offense for another. I remember when Heidi was first getting into her career as a nurse, she was working in a, um, a cardiac unit at a major hospital, and we used to jokingly say now it, some like if you're here and you're a physician i like i know you and i know that your character is different than this, but these are the, a lot of times we'll say the doctors in this unit in particular cardiac doctors uh, cardiac surgeons they sign their name god because they have this self-perception that they are like they hold your heart in their hand and so they've got this self-perception that that they are god and so this one particular guy he was like that he was arrogant he was foul and he would take it out on the people around him and so i'd listen to these stories that heidi would tell about him and it was just it was unbelievable to me and then there was the day that like he literally like, picked up a chair in the waiting room and whipped it at some of the nurses who were there because they weren't doing exactly what he wanted them to do even though he had never said what he wanted them to do they didn't read his mind and he was furious about it and he whipped a chair at them i was coming out of my skin to think that this guy is so arrogant and haughty that he would almost physically assault my wife, right? He didn't throw the chair at me, but here's my beloved who is uh, ducking chairs and having to deal with his hubris. I was carrying a fence for her. I had this little fantasy in my mind that when I drive through the parking garage, maybe he'd be walking from his car <laughs> and there'd just be a little bit of a dink, you know? Like I would nurse in my head the things that I would say if I ran into him. Dr. H, I got a couple things. Guess who I am? And it's this dark alley and a late at night kind of a thing. Like I'd, I'd feed these things in my own mind. Right? You carry the offense of another. And so all these things can happen in our, in our lives and in our world. And we, we pick up offense and it, it begins to stick to us. And as we experience, as we carry offense, it, it creates division and divisiveness in these relationships. Now, we're focusing our, relation, our, our energy here and talk about the relationships that we have as church and how do we belong to each other. But you can apply this in other areas of your life also. 
But you even think about it. In our church world, if we're going to be authentic with each other, if we're going to tell the truth in love, that's earlier in what Paul had been saying here, if we're going to settle our, our disagreements with intention, if we're going to talk to people and not about people, what's going to happen? We're going to have conflict. We're going to have offense. And we've got to learn to navigate that so that we can continue to be the people that God has made us to be as we learn to belong to each other. And so let's go back into this passage here that we're reading towards the end of uh, chapter 4 in Ephesians. Now, one of the things that that will often happen as Paul is writing this, uh, as he writes, he reiterates what he's saying. He might say it the same way, so sometimes you see him repeat the exact same phrases. Other times he's repeating similar phrases, but if, if we pay attention He's like drawing things into a deeper level. He doesn't repeat himself because he forgets what he just said or wrote. He repeats himself because he's, he's driving the stake a little bit deeper. He's, he's inviting the word inspired by the spirit in participation with the spirit to, to do a deeper work in us. And so we pay attention to some of those things, okay? And this is one of those passages that we want to pay attention to. And so we're going we're gonna to look at, at a chart. And one of the first things that I want to explore together are, are these challenges that Paul gives us um, to, to, uh, to don't. All right? Just the heading on this thing is don't. He might say stop it. He might say refuse it or uh, reject it. But, but it's all under the category of don't. Like don't do these things. It's the negative piece of things. So look at verse 29. He says right here, do not... Right, that's a sign for us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Let's just pause there for a minute. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And so that's this first don't. Don't unwholesome talk. Now, what is unwholesome talk? That word that's translated unwholesome, even in itself, feels a little bit wholesome, doesn't it? Like it's, it's like the word is translated, it's got a little bit of a nicety to us. But the word, when we re- look at what it really is, it, 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 it means rancid, diseased, or withered. So we might translate this, don't let any rancid words come out of your mouth. Ooh, that, that, that's a little bit of a sharper edge, isn't it? Don't let any rancid, diseased words withered words come out of your mouth. This word is also used to talk about when uh, fishermen are doing their thing, they're casting their nets, and as they cast their nets, they bring in the fish, but with the fish, there's a whole lot of other yuck from the lake too. It might be litter, it might just be, you know, dead kelp, well, kind of whatever, but it, it, dead fish, it, like all this yuck that they get into their nets along with the fish. This word speaks to the yuck that fishermen have to get out of their nets in order to bring in the good fish. Right? So it's painting a picture for us. Can you see what I'm saying? Like even the word unwholesome feels a little bit wholesome for us. Like don't let any yuck words come out of your mouth. Don't let any rancid, diseased, withered, atrophied words come out of your mouth. So what are these kinds of words? What are these kinds of words? These are the words that tear people down. They, they do their work in in spreading the disease into the heart of the hearer. Sometimes it's cloaked in sarcasm. Stop elbowing your spouse. Did I say that? Sometimes sarcasm is just banter back and forth, and it's good collegial fun. It's like guys in particular, but I know it's not only us, but but this could be a native tongue for us, but we will also cloak 
We will close, cloak rancid words in our sarcasm. We will cloak diseased words in our sarcasm. Right? So these are our words. It's not just sarcasm. But these are words that tear down. They might be words of accusation. They might be words of judgment. They might be words of condemnation. They might be words that just are a little bit off. Like, don't let any unwholesome words, don't let any ransom words come out of your mouth. We go on in verse 30. In verse 30, he's taking us down a little bit further, right? So don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And then we go a little bit further here. Look what he says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of of redemption. Why do we not let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Because it grieves the Holy Spirit with whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, the Holy Spirit, when when you give your life to Jesus, you dedicate yourself to him when you give him your allegiance, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. Like that's an incredible gift that God is like God's very spirit takes up residence within us. It's how he makes us alive. It's how he equips us and empowers us and how he walks with us day in and day out. His spirit is with us. It also is talked about, we see this particularly in 2 Corinthians. We're not going to move there, but you can check it out. In 2 Corinthians, another letter written by Paul, chapter 1, he talks about the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. That day of redemption is when we come to faith in him, give him our allegiance, we are saved as we walk with him and submit ourselves increasingly to the Holy Spirit and the ways of the kingdom of God, we are being saved. And when he returns and we reside with him forever in new heaven, new earth, we will have been saved. All of those things are true of how scripture talks about salvation. And so this day of redemption doesn't mean we're sitting here in this place now uh, unsaved, unrescued. It's the work is not yet completed and it's upon the return of Jesus and new heaven and new earth as we abide with him, the, 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 the tree of life forever that we experience the fullness of this redemption. Okay? And so the, the Holy Spirit seals us now, like, a, like a, a stamp or a signet ring, it signifies ownership. As we change allegiance, we get baptized, uh, we take on his grace, we receive his forgiveness, then uh, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It means he, he's the one that's keeping us. He's the one that's holding us. And it signifies this ownership. It signifies this preservation uh, through his Holy Spirit. This is who God is. To be sealed shows this ownership and this preservation. And it is a reminder that God is our hope for ultimate redemption and salvation. God is our hope, all right? And his Holy Spirit seals that in us. Now, this language that Paul is using here isn't something that he's just making up, right? So we have don't, um, don't let any unwholesome, rancid, diseased words come out of your mouth. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. This is, this is a phrase, it's a way of, it, it's a line that comes from somewhere. It actually comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 63, if you would. Isaiah chapter 63. I'm going to read a number of verses here. Um, but you're, and you're going to hear this line stand out for us. <clears throat> Isaiah 63 verses 7 through 11. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord. 
the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. This is Israel speaking. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people. This is God speaking. Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. Now in all their distress, he too was distressed. He was their God. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Listen, verse 10. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy. And he himself fought against them. Are you seeing the the track here? That God rescued his people over and over and over again. One of the big pieces of rescue that we see was the Exodus, the rescue from slavery in Egypt. That's a theme that's followed out throughout the entire narrative of Israel's history. And so God redeemed them. He became their savior. He heard their cry. He poured out his goodness, his loving kindness, his compassion over them. He made them his people. And as they were his people, what did they do? They rejected him. They rebelled against him. And then so what did he do? God turned his face against them. And so when Paul writes in Ephesians... This is the backdrop when he said, don't let these rancid word comes out of your mouth. Why? Because this is how we grieve the Lord. When we attack, when we belittle, we grieve the one who has rescued us, the one who has sealed us for the day of redemption. He has done all this good for us. This is why we're a part of the family of God. He has rescued and redeemed us. We have tasted his goodness. And what do we do? We allow disease to pour out of our mouth in curse against his beloved. Let it not be so. Can you feel the weight of what Paul is saying here? This isn't, hey guys, clean up your mouth a little bit, a little bit of soap. Clean it up. He's taking us deeper and deeper. Why? Because the way that we speak curse into the lives of other people puts us at odds with the God who sealed us by his spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we, when we come against, when we allow our diseased words to come out of our mouths towards another, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God who is intended to seal us for the day of redemption but we set ourselves opposed to him. You might say all the right things in your Bible study. You might do your own Bible study and sing these songs, but when filth comes spewing out of your mouth, it puts us opposed to the God who has rescued us and redeemed us. So when Paul says this here in Ephesians, he's drawing on those very passages in Isaiah. And then what does it look like? Look at what he's doing here. This unwholesome talk, it grieves the Holy Spirit and he's getting to the heart of this thing. What is the root of this diseased filth that comes out? Verse 31. Verse 31. It says, get rid of, right? So that's don't. 
get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and any other kind of malice. So he's recognizing this, the, the disease that comes out of our mouth that pours from this place in our heart. So when we pick up a fence, it can even be a little bitty dart, not that big of a thing, the kind of thing that we would be quick to go, not that big of a deal. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? That's, that's, that's something as trivial as might fit into that category. What can happen if we are not attentive if we are not attentive to what's happening, it can begin to, to, to grow roots in our heart. It doesn't go there day one, the misunderstanding, the misinterpretation, the picking up offense of another. It doesn't go there day one. But if left unattended to, its barbs hold fast and it grows roots. And soon the offense grows into bitterness and the bitterness into rage. Now, sometimes rage is like this outward, like, like Hulk, right? Rage. But a lot of times, many of us are walking around with rage, but because we don't look like the incredible Hulk, we think that word doesn't apply to us. Our rage is this seething, this seething inability to humanize the other, to treat them as a person, and a lot of times, I would even contest that for most of us, what rage looks like is what we might call the silent treatment. The cold stare. The refusal to acknowledge your personhood. Do you see how the roots grow? It leads to fighting, slander, right? Slander. Slander is... Like, it's talking about some, it's talking trash about somebody else, right? That's what it is. But, but, but what frees us to talk trash about somebody else? Believing trash about somebody else. And so as, as anger, as rage take, takes, and offense takes root in our spirit, what happens is we begin to strengthen the lenses through which we see this other person as non-human, unworthy, not deserving. So then when the slander comes out, it fits, right? We get so tied up in our narratives of judgment and the slander comes out. Do you see what Paul is doing here? He's driving this spike deeper and deeper because this stuff resides in deep places in our spirit. And so one of the ways that we respond to offense is we attack like it comes out of our mouth. And in doing so, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that the grieving the Holy Spirit, because what's coming out is what resides deep within. It has roots within us. And so how, how do we respond to offense? As followers of Jesus, what does it look like to, to let go of offense? Well, this is where we get the other side of the graph for us. I'm a pretty detailed person. So you can see that the <clears throat> heading on the graph says do. Seems pretty simple, right? We just kind of went through some don'ts. Now this is the do. Instead, do this. And again, this is like, pay attention to the, the Paul's not circular. He, he sometimes is a teeter-totter. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. And he's driving it deeper within us. And so 
What is he calling out of us and driving down into our spirit? Verse 29, right? Don't let any rancid words come out of your mouth, but instead only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That our words would exude goodness. Like this is the the language of blessing is sometimes what we see here. That our words would be life-giving, life-breathing words into the soul of another. That it may benefit those who listen. And so there's the benefit here as John and I talk, right? My, My words be blessing to John that it may be good for him, but also... But also now, Nicole is listening in. Let me talk to John in a way that it even blesses Nicole. That it may benefit those who listen. And so this needs, like according to their needs, what are we talking about here? In the context of what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians, he's talking about what it means to be strengthened, matured in the love of Christ as the body of Christ. And so our, what, what does John need what do I need? What do you need? Like we need to be built up and reminded of and confirmed in our role in the body of Christ. So what does a person need? They need to be drawn in. They need to be blessed as. They need to be reminded of, you belong here. You belong with me. We belong together We are his body. Like the need is, what does this person need in order for them to play their part in the body of Christ? It's not only equipping and teaching, it's building up. You see the contrast in that? Don't let any rancid words come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their need. Not your need, right? This is sometimes where the the disease comes out. It's because I've got this stuff pent up and I go, Bleh. it's because I needed to get that out. Now, I want to say it's because you need to know the truth, but it's actually more about my satisfaction, right? You see that? Sometimes we do that. It's building each other up according to their need. Verse 32 Verse 32, he goes on here. What else do we do? Again, he's, he's building this deeper. Building each other up according to their needs. Verse 30, uh, 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Underline that. Be kind and compassionate to one another. These are words that Paul's not just pulling out of the sky. He's actually pulling them from Scripture because this is how God describes himself in relation to his people. Did you catch that back in Isaiah? Right, go back to Isaiah 63. Listen to verse seven. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. See, the way we interact with each other is based on how God has interacted with us. And so he's drawing this deeper here. In the midst of offense, what is the work that is being plumbed into our spirits? Be kind and compassionate. How do we express that kindness and compassion? 
Listen to the remaining part of verse 32. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That is the qualification of forgiveness. This is the deep work. This is in the midst of the offense, satisfying the events, tooth for tooth doesn't satisfy the events, claiming the debt doesn't satisfy the offense. The way we contend for the wholeness and redemption of the body is as we forgive one another. Forgive one another. This is our biblical, Christ-centered response to offense. Forgive one another. Now, we'll be honest. There are some offenses that are fairly trivial. They stay pretty surface, and there are some offenses that run deep. And so the deeper they are, the harder the work of forgiveness there is. Absolutely, but we get to do this with each other. We walk this road with each other, right? And we help each other. We help each other along the way of forgiveness. But forgiveness is the response of the Christian to offense. Full stop. And what's the bellwether of forgiveness? How God, through Christ, has forgiven you. If you have tasted the gracious, compassionate, kind forgiveness of the Lord for you, that is the marker of forgiveness amongst us. You see, he is shaping because he has empowered us by his spirit. He is shaping us to be a new people, a people that are a, a priesthood. That's how scripture talks about us, right? So not, like, I'm, you're a priest, we're like a priesthood, which means that we represent God to each other. I'm not God, you're not God, right? You're not God. News tip, I'm not, you're not but we represent, we live as a signpost of who God is. As we have seen his kind, compassionate forgiveness in our own lives, the mark of being recipients of his forgiveness is not proclaiming, I have been forgiven. The proclamation of forgiveness in our lives is the forgiveness that we extend to the other. This is how we minister to each other. This is how we are priests to each other. This is how we as a body proclaim the forgiveness of God in the midst of a divided, chaotic, vitriolic world. We are being shaped as a people marked by forgiveness. As God has loved us and forgiven us, we too love one another and forgive one another. This is the lever we pull in the face of offense. And forgiveness in its purest form is we're choosing to release my right to even the score or call in the debt. But they owe me. Absolutely they do. Nobody's denying that. Forgiveness refuses to even the score or call in the debt. But you don't understand what they did, what they said, what they meant. That doesn't 
matter to this. Forgiveness is releasing the right to vengeance and a refusal to call in the debt. With whom do you carry offense today? The chances are there's somebody. It might be that the barb has just recently stuck in. It might be that it's been festering there for a time. Who are you carrying? Let the Holy Spirit search you in this moment. Go ahead and close your eyes even. Just close your eyes. Don't even look at me right now. Holy Spirit, search us. Search my heart. Search our hearts. Shine your light into the dark corners and reveal bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, any kind of malice. Reveal to us the places where we have harbored unforgiveness to the offense. Lord Jesus, we ask your forgiveness for that. For we know that by harboring unforgiveness, we have grieved you. So would you forgive us for that? In your mercy, in your kindness, forgive us. We are your people and you have been so good to us. Lead us in the way of forgiveness that we would release those who have offended us and walk in freedom and joy and do so for our good and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. The road to forgiveness begins with our confession before him. If you are here and you have never tasted the Lord's freedom and forgiveness, you can do that today. Whatever it is, you say, God would never forgive me to this. Pfft, no way. He would love to forgive you and free you from carrying the shame and the guilt of that which burdens you today. If you want release and freedom from that burden, you can have it today. We've got some folks who are going to be up over here, our prayer team. You just walk up and say, I, wanna, I want Jesus' forgiveness today. We'll pray with you. And you can know that freedom. You might have gotten some real clear pictures of the places that you're harboring unforgiveness. As you walk through these doors, there might be a conversation that awaits. It might just simply be in your own heart. You can leave with a freedom of forgiving the other who has offended you. Let God do that work. This is who he is. This is what he does. We are a people that belongs to each other. This is who we are. And this is what we do. May you walk in his kindness May you know his compassion and may you be filled with his joy, delight, and love as you walk with him. Thanks for being here. Have a good week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.